0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipilevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Forty years ago, this is Emeritus Rex. You know, I say 40 years ago, Um, how about 70 years a Queen? Um, Elizabeth, I think we have to talk about the old woman, uh and what her death means and how she reigned over these last seventy years. I'll tell
1: you something funny. In in this past Shabbos and show I, I spoke in the morning about Ben Soramora. Anyway, anyways later on with the right after downing, I forget I wonder what it was, somebody said to me, Rabbi, why didn't you talk about the Queen? So I said actually my sermon this morning was a tribute to Prince Andrew. I talked about
0: <laughs> Canadian citizen. I have so field. your queen is dead, your queen has died. Yes. Your subject, you are now God a subject. God
1: bless of- our noble queen. God bless our gracious I don't remember how it goes. Oh, oh, God okay, save I the see. queen. And
0: of course we Send
1: her victorious, happy and glorious."
0: But, um the uh m'lady. Uh, the Queen. and But let's start talking about the Grey Lady. Let's start talking about the Grand Grey Lady that we have here. Not the Queen, but someone who's uh, the presence, an aspect, uh, an institution that we've talked about on this program before, uh, the New York Times. The New York uh, Times, yes,
1: referred to by anti-Semites
0: as the Jew York Times. The, the anti-Semites probably wouldn't have been unhappy with the front page piece uh, this week. Uh, about the Times, overreaching investigative article about how the uh, Hasidic yeshiva system. I think we all have. Wait, let me just say what the damn thing is, right? How they are failing uh, the, uh, the students, how they are in a way bamboozling monies and not having anything close to an education. I have to tell you, I did not read the whole piece. But I, I did, read the
1: whole piece. Let, let, me, I
0: th- let me. I just want to say I was very impressed by some of the graphic um, uh, pieces. Of the, they had examples of the show of the boys uh, writing that they were trying to show you that they had obtained from some of the English teachers, and this was the most. This was such damning evidence that nothing is being done there at all. So uh, go ahead. Yes, the piece was a. a okay, a, there are a
1: lot of things about this story that I think provide. fuller context. First of all, the article in question. um, Everyone in the Jewish world in New York was aware the article was coming. Because they the journalists involved have been working on it for an extended period of time. They did many interviews uh, in the Jewish community. So everyone knew it was coming. And everyone was, I mean, I heard about this weeks ago, everyone was, as they say, need to Everyone was nervous about it. Okay. Let's remember how this started, and I wish I had uh, more detailed memory. But uh, but the things I forgot, I don't think are all that consequential. This started with a lawsuit that was filed by a young man who had left that community and felt incapable of navigating the broad, broad, in broad you know, in, in, in the broader in broader community because he was robbed of what he thought should be, you know, a, a normal education. And he has now an organization about this, JFed, I think it's called, and, and they've garnered significant support uh, from people who uh, aren't happy with the lifestyle choices of the ultra-Orthodox community, and for advocating that the government uh, should make sure that every child in New York gets a, a full education. Um, now, we have to separate things that our people are putting together, sometimes because of the reporting of the Times. We have to separate uh, funding from education. The fact is, the law is, whether the schools took any money or didn't get any money from the government, it's the same rule. The rule is, if you're going to call yourself a school, you have to have a basic curriculum in English, science, and math, whatever. And if parents send their kids to a school that don't do that, the parents can be charged with neglect. Okay, then these it's not the fault of the school, it becomes the fault of the parents for sending their kids to a place that isn't a school legally. Now, again, it doesn't matter if the school t- takes money or doesn't take money, it doesn't matter. The Times, however, did highlight the money involved. Because even though there's no government support for religious schools, there is in a way, because there's government programs to provide busing, there's government programs to provide school lunches, there's government programs to provide special ed. So these schools do benefit from the largesse of the New York City and New York state governments. Um, I believe the busing one actually was the result of a legislation drawn up specifically for the ultra Orthodox community.
0: Okay. Right. And, and that, that's a byproduct of the fact that it was argued that the immense property taxes that
1: right. ult-
0: so there are the ultra Orthodox to... Jews pay. Right. So they should have representation because of those huge taxes. Especially again it really right. they did... don't, they
1: pay money to support the public schools but get no
0: benefit from that's it. That's right. It began okay. and it was really in in New York was where it sort of began. Because that's where uh, you know you had these homes that were being built, uh, and m- much of uh, the person's mortgage payments were for uh, the, okay. the city to state taxes. Okay. Therefore, it was argued in court that the religious schools—it's uh, it, their choice not to send there—they should at least get the benefits of that busing, that their tax dollars, their tax dollars. No, I'm not arguing, I don't want to
1: argue the, the funding. I mean, whether it's legit or illegit, whether it's a violation of separation, This is, all this stuff has been adjudicated. But again, I, I just, on, on, the, on the education issue, we need to separate things that don't belong together. That means whether they got, whether there was no busing aid, no no support for the lunches or special ed, it wouldn't make a difference. But the Times did highlight the fact that even though they get this money, they still aren't providing uh, that which would normal people would call a full education. Now, also, the other thing that's being lumped together here, and this is has a lot to do with the fact that a has taken the lead here. Listen, a understands that the growth in the ultra Orthodox community is dominated by the Hasidic community. Now you and I know enough history to know that to Satmar, a might as well be merits, right? Satmar doesn't, you know, has, has, been violently opposed to a gooda since a inception over a hundred years ago, right? That's nothing. That's not a uh, you know that that's the reality of uh, 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 of intra ultra orthodox life. What's ironic is that for people like you and me, when we hear a gooda, we think Litvish, we think the Russia Shivas, and the schools in our in that part of the world are in fact legitimate schools, right? They do have high school, right? Klein Berlin Mir. Right. They all have a Torva much Das, right?
0: The article did, in a sense, indicate that they were not uh, white painting all the yeshivas. No, no. But paint. again,
1: I think, we, but, but again. But,
0: but the headline, the headline implied that,
1: right? Oh, no, but no. But but here's the thing. When you hear a Gouda, right, for many people here a gooda, They think the whole whole Orchardist community, the fact is this uh, intentional English illiteracy is, does not characterize what many people associate with traditional Aguda, but Aguda is very concerned about keeping its right wing, its right, more right wing flank in, inside the tent, meaning servicing the political needs of the ultra orthodox community. And Aguda has put itself in the position of defending Satmar here, which is ironic, right? because Satmar, you know, believes Aguda is led by heretics.
0: Because they, I understand. They... I would say I, I again, I, I I would take a little bit of a less cynical uh, stance than you are on this rabbi. And I would say that if okay, our our yeshivas, our high schools are attempting and in many t- places succeeding in giving uh, education in English and science and math. But if this these type of articles generates legislation that sticks the hand of the government into these schools, we're next and they're no. Next. I don't
1: believe that I don't believe that at all the if you look at what they're concerned with and they're not interested in imposing a public school curriculum there is they're, they're interested in basic competencies now, honestly I don't think that's an argument at all it would never go that far I know people love talking about slippery slopes and gun rights and abortion and everything else but that's not the case here the case here is these are not schools that make any attempt at all these are schools that Ideologically, we'll never allow
0: Okay, I'm going to push back. As brilliant as you are here, we know that one of the key mantras of the federal and state uh, systems now is inclusivity. It's about understanding. It's about understanding of gender. It's about confronting racism. If if this is going to be standard human parts of what it means to be educated, then those things are going to have to be pushed into private schools as well why not if you because... read the, the,
1: the politicians response and again it's not a new issue this has been going on for years and years this debate in new york about the, the the existence of these schools there are two things unique about new york in this situation number one there are i don't know amish schools there was a case in the state of uh, in, in, in i think it was the state of washington i'm not sure uh, but with the amish uh, uh, where where the Amish cut off education at fourteen, and according to the state in question, I think it was Washington. I'm not sure. Uh, Wisconsin, in 16, it, it was.
0: Wisconsin. It went to
1: the Supreme Court. Wisconsin. Uh, it was Wisconsin. Okay, I knew it wasn't the uh, a W state. It was a W state, right? Wisconsin, and they went ahead and they uh, and, and the Supreme Court supported the Amish. They said, "Well, you know, the purpose of education is, as the Hasidim were now saying." to produce functional, productive citizens. We do this and we don't need it. And the Supreme Court agreed. So there's a good precedent on the side of the Hasidim here. But again, what's different about New York? There are two things different about New York. Number one, the size of, of these schools, the numbers involved. And also nowhere else in the US have you had a comparable effort by the government to intrude on schools that are sectarian like this. Now, so, but each one feeds off the other. In other words, the response of the of, of the New York State authorities is unprecedented, but the reality of New York is also without parallel, right? There's, you don't have schools of this. Yeah, you have small Christian and, and, and Mormon, whatever schools that, that, you know, do wacky things according to, to governments, but they're left alone. No one has the time or energy to go ahead and, and bother everybody. So they let them do what they want. Letting them do what they want. It become is difficult New York for because of the size, but also because of the lawsuits involved, right? Former Hasidim have filed lawsuits. People who've gone, you know, off the derrick or at least merged at a highway stop, um, you know, are are, uh, you know have have sued,
0: right? And and, And 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 the article by highlighting these. Uh, People who have been, in their words, mistreated and not been afforded the way to become productive members of society really represent a tiny, tiny percentage of a community that by and large is happy, divorce rates are extremely low in terms of opioid addiction, and many of the other modern maladies that plague society. So even though it's true, you could always find, and that's what my point is, any investigative reporter could probably find people that have been ill-serviced from their perspective by their school system. It could be in Westchester County, or it could be in Compton, California, and we know that. So I, I think that's really the problem of this type of reportage. No, no, the reportage, you, the reportage you know, is able to go from the, ma- the, the macro to a very distinct micro, and that micro, whoever it is, complaining and saying, I know nothing, and my life is ruined, and my life is shattered, and the and the people reading it in Des Moines, Iowa are saying, wow, look, how, look what's going on with these Jews.
1: Okay, on the one hand, your argument is very compelling. In other words, the public school system, in many neighborhoods in New York is a catastrophe. Uh, young people, especially minorities, graduate without basic skills in English. Um, I mean, it's, it's a disaster, an absolute disaster. And they are the beneficiaries of enormous amount of money and enormous amount of funding. Their incompetent teachers are protected by very powerful unions, and, these, and, and the Democratic Party supports and protects these unions. And, it, and, and it's a disaster. The Bible school, so we can easily turn to government and say, "What are you nuts? You worried about a couple of Hasidim who end up producing law-abiding, very nice people who overwhelmingly end up working for a living and are perfectly fine? You know, uh, you know whether they, 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 whether their skills in math match, you you know, live up to what they should be or not. They they turn out remarkably well. They raise families. They do well. Why don't you talk about the kids in government schools?" And have full funding for everything, who end up being incapable of ever getting a job or functioning. Right. Which and is all, and an also mention, number. And
0: also mentioning the proportion of the state and federal budgets that go into those schools. In New York State, per kid,
1: they pay double than they do in the state of Florida with a graduation rate that is much less than Florida. Right. So New York State is the poster child for failed education,
0: right? And it, but again, and, since we're really talking about journalism and we're talking about making a point and we're talking about the gray lady, it would seem that this is a an article which is disproportionate to the issue. And by by highlighting it and, and heralding it on their front page and throughout their website, uh, and then continuing to pile on on this, it does seem like somewhat of an attack. All right. Let's
1: be. Here's what I. Okay. First of all you know, in kindergarten, or was it nursery, I learned a rule. Uh, it's very important here. It's called two wrongs don't make a right, which is even if everybody else is wrong, right, that doesn't mean we may not be wrong. Okay, so I'm I to try to look at this as objectively as possible. The other issue is that people uh, some of the people in the ready community are screaming, why does the New York Times do articles of the failed public school system? They do. Okay, they do. Okay, Are they as critical of the unions as I think they should be? Of course not. That's the New York Times. It's a left-wing newspaper. But they certainly do many articles on the failure of the public school system in New York and elsewhere. They do. However, the question that as Jews we should be asking is not just is the New York Times being unfair and creating a very skewed perception amongst its readership by its intense focus on Hasidic schools and, 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 you know, and whether that is justified uh, by the numbers of people involved or the outcomes involved. But the question is for the Jewish community is, you know, we understand that this is not a war that was just, you know, the last few years. This goes back to Europe, where governments in Poland and, and Russia tried to impose uh, a basic core curriculum, just like New York State. And, and, and these issues came up then. And some religious groups were more accommodating to government demands and some were much less. We all know that the Hungarians refused anything. We also know that some of the same Hasidic groups that today are screaming and yelling and not allowing anything in Europe were quite accommodating to curricular intervention by Polish governments. We know that, okay? And and, and you had basic core studies uh, of secular subjects in 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 the Jewish schools in Poland and in Russia, you had that, right? That were under the most orthodox. Right, schools.
0: I think the difference might be again is that the gymnasiums and other types of uh, secular Jewish type of schools were erected at a time that, although there was a lot of cultural dissent and ferment in, in, in terms of politics, you, what you didn't have was the pernicious a puerile aspect of society as strong Listen, as no they. one is talking
1: about enforcing sex that that would never happen They're
0: right, talking but, about- but, but 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 again i think that's that a
1: is, fear. that's a paranoia i don't buy no
0: no it, no. no again you you said uh, ralph that that you find it and, and you didn't say it's ironic but you imply that some of the people that are fighting now their grandparents did allow uh those type of public school and i'm going to tell you the difference there has been, since the, the, whether it's the smartphone or the internet, <coughs> there has been a doubling down. I don't uh, buy the for,
1: equation but, between studying math and science and being exposed to porn on, on yourself. No, no
0: but I, I think there's been an attitudinal doubling down of any sort of outside influences. I'm not, look, I am talking to you on the internet. I am not trying to uh, defend as my own personal feeling, but I think that's part of what is motivating them. They have been, uh, and 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 I agree with you. It's overdone, but I think that's what the reaction is.
1: I, I don't think I don't. I I think it's triggered simply by we have to do and, the way we've always done it, and
0: and that the monster is much more insidious, and that's the reason. No, but there, why. but there, but
1: resistance goes back uh, over a hundred years. They didn't allow they didn't allow Hungarian or math to be taught in Saturnare.
0: I mean it's nothing. Yeah, new. No, no, but you mentioned that there were certain of Hasidic Groups that did allow in the past. Well, listen,
1: you and I also were raised in the same time period, where the issue in the yeshiva world was who's going to university. Well, now the issue in the yeshiva world is who's going to high school. So you can't sit there and pretend that things haven't become more extreme. And they I, have
0: I, I, in I, I, our I, I, lifetime. They've right, one hundred percent extreme throughout the whole gamut of society okay. and maybe culture. And, and the think- resistance
1: of Lakewood to open high schools that have that have secular studies is not because they think those high schools are going to have to teach transgenderism. It's just because the yeshiva
0: world has turned. Millevitz points out is that the article doesn't do enough justice to talk about the the logic skills and other mental uh, prowesses that are teased oh, out so of a sure. child when he learns talmud even mishnah and then talmud that these although it's true if they take out their composition book they can't write a paragraph but they are capable of thinking in an abstract even mathematical way and i <laughs> that i think also needs their time should have at least explained that it isn't just a oh,
1: 100% no i'm not ta- i'm not here to defend the new york times or its article i think it was disproportionate and also um Neglectful of the elements that you just talk about, and Liel talked. Listen, I know Liel well. He's a great guy. I, I know him personally. He's wonderful, uh, and 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 he wrote an important piece that was critical and sensible on this. Uh, however, I, I I think we need to recognize that in fact the community has moved to the right. The ultra orthodox community has moved to the right. There is no question that you know as uh, you know that the need to signal loyalty to the in group. You know, engenders an intensification of some of these barriers that are put up. Um, But on the other hand, you know, has, you know, uh, have members of the Orthodox community who have sought higher education, is there really a record of them, you know, becoming corrupted by it? Do people go to university to study Plato and Aristotle and Spinoza, or do they go to learn how to do a Malacha? I mean, it, it's a trade school. Universities are trade schools for Orthodox Jews. They learn how to do computers. They know how to do accounting. They learn how to go maybe even to medicine or law. They're trade schools. These are not places where people are involved in, in you know, in, in, oh, my God, let's go study Spinoza. That's not the Yetzelhaga today. That's no, there's no Yitzhak.
0: there's just to be fair to Sotmer, uh, <gasps> Sotmer specifically have uh, erected types of trade schools where they are training yes absolutely they are training their kids to become plumbers to okay but let me remind you of
1: a chufa okay there was a great Rav who was a member of the Mayetsets Gedele Tire right you can't get more you know uh, more more credentialed than that in the Kraedi community his name was Rubit Svi Hoffman okay he is a chufa in Muhammad Lahayo right and again he was Rav in Germany uh from a from a family whose kid wasn't was enrolled in a public school and he was asked whether he can attend school on Shabbos without taking a pen or writing exams just to listen to the class so he doesn't fall behind. Okay? And the member of the Metz's Gedala Service said an enthusiastic yes of course he has to go to school, because otherwise, and I paraphrase, how will he be a full-functioning c- citizen in our wonderful country?
0: Okay, first of all, he, I don't know if there was the Moetzas at that time, but R. W. Z. Hoffman is definitely a very uh, uh, well-established and accepted place. But we know that the Matzeva the, the in Germany at that time was a lot different than the freedoms afforded in America. I agree, I am very much in tune with R. W. Z. Hoffman. He's one of my intellectual heroes, but I think uh, it's you know to to quote him for today uh, in this specific. All I'm
1: saying, I'm just pointing out the uh, the things that concerned rabbis in the not too distant past seem to be of no concern to rabbis today. I also want to tell you, my my, my father. Uh, uh, went to school. My father, bless him, went went to school in Russia. He had to go to public school. He, you know, he went to shiva elsewhere. He had to go to public school. And every Shabbos he didn't go to school. And every Sunday he was beaten up. That's just the reality. Okay. In other words, Jews have been dealing with this issue for a really long time, and despite the remarkable changes that have gone uh, that that have that have occurred in history and in life and in country, society and culture. Despite all of that, the and despite the fact that there are extraordinary role models of the most faithful B'nai Taita getting not only an elementary school education, not only getting a high school education, not only getting university education, but getting postgraduate degrees and still wearing their black hats, is it time for maybe some of the Khuridin community to think again about their policy because they're fighting the Saharas of the 19th century in the 21st century.
0: Well, I think that COVID indicated Dr. Blatt and other uh, prestigious doctors who couldn't have become experts in public health and understanding the the coronavirus unless they had actually gone through a traditional uh, solid medical education. I think uh, most people recognize that. I think we were all, if you remember two years ago, uh, we were perplexed and the Haredi community was shaking and quivering because they didn't have enough representatives who understood the science and understood the, the what was really happening. So I, I think they're, I think... COVID Listen, is, who
1: gets honored at yeshiva dinners? The people who ignored their Russia Shivas and went to university and made a living and then donated to the yeshiva. Okay, the honorees at yeshiva dinners are the guys that ignored what their rabbis told right. them. I, the I, look,
0: I didn't read the article, but I guess the implication of the article was that... Um, that if you are in this system, and I think I, I, I think I did read those specific terms, that there's almost like you you, you are a pariah if you try to attend a different type of yeshiva, that you are Oh, well, For sure,
1: there's no question. Summer forces a, a certain discipline. The social realities of Williamsburg and Monroe certainly demand that. Uh, and, and, but again, the arguments yeah. from the Haredi community are legitimate. In other words, you don't bother anybody else. You don't bother your own schools right. at a very but, rate. This focus on us is unprecedented in North America. Religious groups are generally left alone. The, the students coming but, out. And and,
0: and and even though the malcontent story sounds tragic, it is it isn't that difficult, although, again, social pressures notwithstanding, to go. And I have been a teacher of in such a school. The school that I was associated with was primarily uh, made up of Hasidic kids who were coming to get a higher education in order to get a degree. And we, and Rabbi Skaist and myself, from the Yeshiva of Newark, that is the platform for this podcast, was very aware of how Yeshivas now, although they aren't heralded by the New York Times, are doing. And it's a place where it isn't as as erratic of a, of a jump. There's still enough of the trappings of the conventional Yeshiva that these Hasidic boys can be made to feel at home, and can be given those type of skills. Um, so I, I think it is out there. It's not like, oh, if I want to go learn English, and my name is Usher Lev, and I'm going to be uh, crucified by my community. That's not really the case. I think the the options are there, um, and, and all you have to do is look at in some of the pages of the Jewish magazine, and you'll see, if you read between the lines, that many of these yeshivas that have opened up are there to be not just like the satmer, um, vocational schools, but actually, as we did, we teach, pub- we taught public speaking, we taught how to write, we gave them uh, lessons in terms of how to create uh, their essays and other types of skills that we hope are part of that. So I, I think we weren't the only ones. So it is out there. And I think that needs okay, to be okay. But I would also make, by. I
1: would, in the defense of the chederim, I would say one other thing. Let's be blunt. If the Buddhists were running these schools no one would bother them.
0: Of course, That's, that is part of why the-
1: Okay, the and the fact is... is, they're being bothered, because, no, by, by the way, Christians probably would be bothered also. In other words, there are certain religions that are protected. If Muslims did this, no one would bother them. But there are the white religions that are perceived to be white, right? And patriarchal and homophobic yes. and everything else that people love to disparage, right? Do this stuff, uh, you know, th- then you get castigated. Right. Uh, you know, uh, there's a deference granted by the liberal left to the third world uh, religions. Right. Uh, you know, and you know, you, 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 you know, if you had a comparable situation to the Kotel and another religion and women insisted on doing stuff there, I promise you. The sympathies of the liberals would be with the men, not the women, because, oh my God, this ancient shrine, we shouldn't trespass upon the cultural sensitivities of the traditional indigenous people. But because it's Jews at the hotel, they defend, not the traditional. No. The, they defend the, the, inter, the, the years has really ex- tried to expand its international reach. And when they write articles on China, on the website, you will find a translation of the article into Chinese. When this article came out, they provided for the first time in its history that I'm aware of. I think maybe, oh, maybe I heard they did it one other time. Anyway, they did a translation into Yiddish. So if, now I just want to say that if Jews of a previous generation, and certainly my family counted among them, who revered the New York Times for its scope and coverage, although unhappy with its uh, uh, take on Judaism and the state of Israel, but revered the New York Times, and and, uh, you know, and and read it religiously every day, as they, had they lived to see the, a Yiddish article in the New York Times, it would have blown their minds. And what's really funny is I heard the background story on the translation. The people of the New York Times who were translating the article were guided to avoid Litvish Yivo Yiddish for the more vernacular street Yiddish of the Polish Jew to make sure it would actually be underst- understand, understood by the Hasidic community
0: right and and again to be a little bit cynical on it i, I don't see it as this great uh, inclusive uh, umbrella hey we're going to make this article No i agree i not you i think the reason uh, why they, they they translated it in the edition had it available is because mm-hmm. they hoped they could convert some of their right. 100% uh, the readership who would rise up and I'm just uh, saying justice.
1: that is that given the history of the new york times and what jews it represents generally To see a Yiddish article on their website is something quite astonishing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, unfortunately, it's. I guess one could say tongue in cheek that at least they brought back the Yiddish daily. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It used to be when when we were growing up. When we were growing up, an average Jew in New York. After he came from Davening, would stop at the newsstand and pick up three or four. Listen, when Hid- I lived on the Yiddish dailies every day, not the word in English. But well, when converts, I lived in Abel-Mainer, right?
1: When um, I lived on the Upper West Side in the, in the mid seventies, I'd be on the street corner with a bunch of guys at eleven o'clock at night when the New York Times truck pulled up with the early edition, which no longer exists. Sure to read the New York Times before you went to sleep so that you would know everything before anybody else, because that was the only way you could find, you knew things, was from the newspaper. And uh, and we revered the New York Times because of its comprehensive coverage. Yes, we knew they had been anti-Zionist in the early 20th century. They ignored the Holocaust in the middle of the 20th century. They'd been critical of Israel, you know, throughout. You know, the, with the distortions, with whether it was Sabra Shatila or the columns of Anthony Lewis. We all know that. We all remember the great defenders of Israel in that paper, A.M. Rosenthal and William Sapphire. We all remember those guys. And um, uh, But The New York Times is clearly, clearly become much more ideological, which today means you are arrayed against the interests of the Jewish community, as it's traditionally understood. And uh, and it certainly takes a hostile tone. And this article certainly is an example of a double standard that is applied to the Orthodox, and of uh, and of a uh, a scrutiny of Jewish life that again is not uh, matched by what they do. They
0: but, but but as you say, in the fifty years since you stood on those street corners, uh, newspapers have changed, journalism has changed, attitudes have changed, and you know, I, I question whether this article will be that influential most people you know although again you know it, it's one of the key uh, uh places to find news it's it's, it's it pales in comparison but here's what, the what point what they do. don't get here's
1: what they don't get
0: by the way before you answer this what was the first i used to do that as well um and then the, the new york times sunday would stay in your apartment for a whole week sitting around on you know in various sections what was the first section you looked at when you would get that? saturday night mag new york times what was the first section? Oh, you the
1: took news. I, international news it was front page articles on international news and then the international section
0: uh, it wasn't the weekend review
1: i there was a point in my life where i could tell you who was the
0: bureau chief in anywhere from Nairobi to new delhi yeah see, uh, see to me i would start with the weekend review because i didn't know what was going on because i was in yeshiva the whole week so that saturday night i would read the weekend review uh,
1: no, I've always um, to the today, today
0: nobody needs that nobody is interested in that and the next Section I would go to is the book re- is, is is the New York Times book review. Oh, the book review was great. I mean, it right, was always right. full although run. again, none of them were really so long and deep. But no. it, it definitely, you could definitely read the, the book reviews and act like you knew what was going on. Yeah, in, in, in culture, you know, <laughs> I remember coming into your apartment and seeing how the magazine. You seem to have a good collection of those of the <laughs> of, of the magazine. Um, okay, let's go on to a more majestic discussion. Uh, you, as we mentioned before, you are indeed a subject as a Canadian of King Charles. Um, uh, Elizabeth is lying in state, uh, her official state funeral, I think is going to be on the 19th. Um, you are a subject, um, some thoughts about the passing of this milady.
1: Uh, Listen, I think she was a remarkable woman who, uh, you know, I mean, you think about this span of time and the number of leaders that with whom she had to engage It's remarkable. She maintained her dignity under uh, very, at times, very trying circumstances. Uh, <laughs> she certainly plays a role in Britain that is hard for uh, Americans or even Canadians to understand in terms of representing as, a, you know, the, the symbol of the United Kingdom. Uh, and um, it is certainly not a democratic institution. Uh, and is certainly anachronistic in many ways, but uh, you know, the- you
0: know, I think it's interesting. I heard snippets of her speeches, uh, and they weren't all problem. Some of them were actually, oh no,
1: like, she had something to say,
0: yeah, and and they were well written, and she was able to deliver them. She's not Meryl Streep, she's not Helen Mirren, who played her on screen, but she has a certain presence and she has a certain power and a, and a certain positivity. I, to me, one of the more interesting speeches that she gave was confronting Diana's death, um, yeah. and, and she sort of had to admit, uh, you know, she didn't double down. She talked about how much she admired this person, how much that person meant, um, and, and in some ways, she was not. She was not a humorless person. She had.
1: a... Oh, I mean, she was she, funny. yeah, Absolutely. Listen, the whole, the, yeah, I mean, God Diana's gave
0: her. Bad. Besides her longevity, she had her seichel. For I mean, she. You know we talk about Biden uh, at seventy eight, seeming to lose it. she She was pretty much in in, in, in her faculties. she gave a very moving um, exhortation to the to the British and to the world about getting through Covid. And yes. she said how how you know englishmen and people in, in in century or days to come and years to come will talk about the fortitude uh, that was exhibited. And the courage. Mm. So a lot of these messages, I think, were positive. And did there have to be a queen and a monarchy? Pumping them up with billions of dollars? No. But you know, she was. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Uh, descri- I'm not gonna say she was like a, a, a meekskite. And, and she wasn't responsible for 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 the uh, imperialism and the, the policies oh. of, of a country that she basically had. And she had very. completely a completely uh, a figurehead. Um, so what is?
1: one thing is clear is that she was a woman who took her responsibilities very seriously. She had a profound sense of duty uh, and obligation, and she fulfilled it, you know, at every moment, no matter how difficult it was for her personally. She always showed up. She always used, you know, her energies for the British people and for the crown. And, and, And she was fastidious about that and tried to impart that with varying degrees of success to her children. Yeah,
0: she, and, she, by the uh, way, by the way, she drove a jeep in the, in World War II. Yes, she she even though she was already obviously in line as, a, as some sort of duchess or whatever she was, um, she understood that this is a time of war, and she wasn't just going to sit back in her and There's her also no state.
1: question that Britain has benefited greatly from her, but also benefited greatly from her longevity. That means she lived long enough for people to heal the you know from the aftermath of the of, of the tragic death of princess diana uh and 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 the reputation if she lived long enough for charles to restore some of his reputation and dignity she lived long enough that a lot of that's in the past and um and uh, you know and uh, charles is in his 70s already uh and uh you know, for someone to wait to sit Shiva for their parents to <laughs> their seventies is not bad. His father just died a couple years ago. That's not a bad thing.
0: And uh I and I think they really I talked about this with one of my other guests. Um I, I think her appreciation of Jonathan Sachs was very sincere. Yeah, it was sincere. And 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 and, and very positive when you see the type <laughs> it sort of goes back to our first part of our conversation, how a Jewish Education, a Talmudic understanding. Uh, obviously, a Yiddish cup is very welcome, uh, even in the highest seats and of the But also, of royalty. She, she
1: was a spiritual person. She really cared about religion. She cared. And by the way, Charles, from what I understand, does as well. They take their faith seriously, and that's an important role model for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what the future holds, no one knows whether Scotland is going to end up remaining in the United Kingdom or not. But,
0: or, you know, did you think. So even though we can separate uh, Elizabeth from the English policies, do you think that we should once again use her death as a way to ruminate on the ugliness of, of the policies of the United Kingdom towards Israel and, the, and even before the, the forming of the state? Um, is, Listen, is
1: an... we know what her father did in the 30s. King George actually openly advocated with the Germans not to let Jews go to Palestine. We know that. The king himself did that. We know about the British White Paper. Again, the monarchy wasn't responsible for that, denying uh, an exit uh, for Jews from Europe uh, to, to Palestine. We also know that the British that are so celebrated for the war orphans they took in and the children, you know, they're only that only happened because the British refused to take their parents. That's why the kids were alone, right? I mean, so we also know of the young, brilliant, best Jews we'll ever know, who were hung by the British for trying to fight for statehood in the the 30s and 40s, as as soldiers in the Irgun, as fighters in the Irgun, how they hung those guys, wonderful people, and uh, uh, in in Akko prison who who were hung, we can't forget any of that stuff.
0: So so do you think it should be, and we'll end with this, do you think it should be somewhat of a badge of shame for Elizabeth that she was afraid to visit Israel?
1: Listen, I don't know the reasons I, I, you know, I read a couple of articles about it, nothing was very clear about her, wh- why she didn't. Um, listen, the uh, she traveled to Ireland, and she, uh, you know, greeted the guests of the people who killed members of her family, you know, Lord Mountbatten. Uh, somehow she if that if, if she couldn't overcome animus to Israel for what it had done to the British, uh, in the 40s, I don't, I don't know what the reason was, but she certainly forgave uh, the people of Northern Ireland. Um, but um, I, I,
0: I, don't know. I, I think that you know it, it, we have been used to hearing, and maybe you even espoused it yourself on this program, that a lot of anti-Israel sentiment is really disguised anti-Semitism. I think that Elizabeth is a is a little bit of a proof against that idea because you know she clearly i I wouldn't call her a a philo semite but she clearly uh, appreciated jews she's she spoke positively about them she had good relationships with them and yet it does seem that she didn't want there to be some official sanctioning of this country and uh and and, and it needs to be said uh, she visited all the countries around there Right, she visited all those other northeastern countries. She could have come to the coattail or something like that. I think that would have been a very important act. Um, as we said, look, many of us are not. A, 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 we talked about at the beginning of our program, breaking out of the communal restraints. For Elizabeth to have done anything else, would have been almost impossible. I mean, this idea of 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 what her son is doing, her grandson is doing, uh, in terms of giving up his sense of royalty. I mean, this was this was beyond conception. Uh, she was a public servant, and part of being a public servant is doing what she did. I guess um, you know, we, we we can't judge her too harshly for not taking that step that we would have wanted her to take. But I as you say, let us let us indeed recognize the melech, uh, the real melech, the chafchina between uh, the Malkei and Matsushaba starts our suikos. Take care, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Be well. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.